You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now present the Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Everybody, and thank you for joining us at the Health Hub on Radio Maria. I am your host, Kathy Biasse, and along with my producer, Alex Diaz, we welcome you to our inaugural show. Each week, the Health Hub will be our meeting place to come together and discuss topics that have an, a reflection on your health. Some of our subject matter will have obvious links to health. Some maybe not so obvious, but all I ask is that you do trust in our process and I guarantee you'll come out the other side, seeing how we've managed to connect those dots. Our first few shows will be pre-recorded, but soon after that we'll be going live and to make this show interactive, Radio Maria is all over social media. You'll have opportunities to tweet, to email, and even call in questions that you have during our show. Before we get into our subject matter this week, though, I think that it's important for you to know a little bit about me and how I got to be host of Radio Maria's Health Hub. I'm a mom of four, a wife of one, and a dog owner of two, and I am a huge Toronto sports fan. And although health and wellness have been a passion of mine for many years, my first passion was actually in finance. I started my financial career on Bay Street in Toronto, and it ended working for my dad's firm when he shut it down a few years ago. When he took ill, we had to close down the business, and shortly thereafter, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. It was within this arena of my own illness that I truly developed my passion for health and wellness. In my own illness and in my cancer protocol, I used both the medical system and what I call the complementary or alternative systems to get me through my year. And when my year was done and I got through the process, I made a decision to delve deeper into health and wellness. And when I did that, I took on a program at the Canadian School of Natural Nutrition to become a holistic nutritionist. Within that process as well, it was a two-year process for me, I also got a certification as a professional cancer coach from the National Association of Professional Cancer Coaches. It's been a whirlwind of the last five or six years, but I do believe that I am here because of the experiences that I've had, and my voice to health is to promote healthy living, to try and encourage people to live their best life. Most people have a fairly good understanding of what nutrition is, but as a holistic nutritionist, I deal with the whole body. For me, the understanding of optimal health isn't simply the absence of disease. 
It's a matter of understanding experiences, prior histories, life in general to grasp the full concept of a healthy person. So I don't just deal with nutrition. I deal with stress and all the other pillars of health that we will be introducing today. Cancer coaching, however, is something new to the health field. As cancer coaches, we try and fill a void between the medical path to cancer healing and dealing with the whole person in the alternative path. We fill a void where nutrition has been neglected, where stress and relieving stress and dealing with stress has also, too, not been touched. So as a cancer coach, I deal with many, many clients who are either going through the system, who are coming out of the system and want to deal with prevention, and those who have loved ones going through the process. It's been very redeeming for me and very rewarding for me, and it was through all of these paths that I came to be the host here at Radio Maria of the Health Hub. I truly believe that to be fully well, we must address all aspects of health. I offer coaching in nutrition, in mindset, in stress, and in stress relief. I practice in clinic as well as at home, and I see people of all ages, even with outside the cancer realm. I see diseased people in the diabetes sphere and those who just want to promote their better health. I practice at home, and I have a clinic in Ajax where I'm working with naturopathic doctors. So that's professional me in a nutshell. And now it's time to take a quick break before we get back to the first topic that we'll be dealing with, the five pillars of health.
You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. So let's dive right into our topic of discussion today. It's what I consider to be the five pillars of health. To me, these pillars are the foundation of your good health. And if you attend to all of them, you'll be well on your way to living the life that you really deserve. I'm going to start with nutrition because nutrition is my wheelhouse. And actually, to me, I find that it is the most overlooked and underappreciated component of our health. We often think of food as being just fuel, but it's so much more than that. Food must be looked upon as an integral part of not only fighting disease, but of preventing disease. And through my experience, I just don't see that this is being taken into consideration. Although as I make my way through the grocery store, I am noticing more and more organic sections, uh, beefier sort of vegetable and fruits area. So I think that as chronic disease is increasing, people are realizing that there's something that needs to be done. And we have to start with nutrition. To me, the reason that people have such a hard time with this is because it does take an adjustment. We are cultivated a certain way of eating. We've grown up with certain traditions. And sometimes to achieve the best we can in our in our nutrition aspect, we have to revamp what we do. And this can take time. It can take time loading your pantry. It can take time planning meals. But once you get into the mode, once you start squeezing out the bad and entering into the good with the food, you'll find that it becomes habit. The most important thing when it comes to nutrition is we must eat real food, unprocessed, high-quality whole foods, staying away from high-processed sugar. We need to stay around the outside of the grocery mall. We need to eat fruits and vegetables. We need to eat grains. These are all components of high-quality, healthy foods. We need to cook our own meals. We're so busy all the time that breakfast has become a quick stop to grab a muffin and a coffee. But we need to get that under control. We need to plan more. We need to know the ingredients that are going into our food. And we need to cook. We need to cook at home. And when it comes to that, we're also required to read labels. And reading labels can become quite a science. Um, I can look at labels, and I've had lots of experience with reading labels, and I can't pronounce some of the words. So when I talk to people, the easiest piece of advice I have for them is if you can't read what it says, it's probably not meant for our body. Our body is intuitive, and we've lost our knack for understanding its cues. But once we start feeding ourselves high-quality whole foods, our body starts responding. Cooking at home allows us to know what ingredients are going into our food and use seasonings that aren't available when we go to the fast food store. Seasonings alone are a component of nutrition that I find I, I true am starting to use far more of. Seasonings are very high in antioxidants. They are very healthful and they add a lot of flavor to food. 
We're used to the old standards of parsley and rosemary, but introducing foods from other cultures, Indian cultures, Chinese cultures, really levels the balance of the food we eat. And nutrition is all about layering. You're not going to find healthful uh, one, one-off foods. You know, I can tell you that an avocado is extremely healthy for you, but if you don't add to that avocado other things, start layering, start taking your time while you're eating, you're not going to see the true benefits of what real nutrition is. So layering things like um, your ingredients, layering things like seasonings, trying new things, rotating your food are all hugely important when we're talking about the nutrition component of health. It's also very, very important to rotate your foods. So often I'll get clients into my practice and they're eating a great diet and they're still having gastro problems and I'll ask what they're eating and every day they're eating an avocado and every day they're eating kale and the first cue is sensitivities when you eat the same foods over and over again your body has to use the same processes of digestion it has to use the same enzymes and basically it gets tired so it's very important to rotate your foods have Foods from different areas of within the vegetable sphere. You want different colors of foods, colors of the rainbow. Um, colors are your cue for different nutrients. So carotenoids and carrots, lycopene and tomatoes, they all add to the nutrient value of your diet. And when I'm dealing specifically with a cancer protocol, I'll use pointed nutrients within fruits and vegetables to either strengthen an immune system, help a person get through their treatments, or just to totally increase their nutrient value of their total diets. We also need to eat seasonally. Here in Canada, we have four seasons. Uh, in the tropics, their diet is consumed or considered to be more of what we call a cooling diet. In a warmer climate, you'll see things like salads, more raw vegetables, pineapples. Those are called cooling foods, and it's a counterbalance to the warm weather. But here in Toronto, here in Canada, we have four seasons. So definitely when the summertime comes, we will want cooling foods. But in the wintertime and when the cold seasons come around, we want to have root vegetables, warming foods, hearty foods. Again, going back, listening to what your body wants, rotating our foods, eating within our seasons are very important. We get our foods from all over the world now, so it's very easy to have a peach all season long or all year long. But do understand that growing up in this culture, in this climate, it's very important to have different types of foods in our diet. I also recommend to people to have a very good mix of raw and cooked vegetables. Vegetables come with their own enzymes. By eating them raw, you're helping your fully, you're helping your digestive system, so to speak. Because they come with the enzymes, you're helping your system to digest food. And taking pressure off digestive system is very, very important. Um, we want our digestive system really on point, working all the time, and giving it little Pieces of help here and there is very important. Another area um, that is, is very overlooked, it's something from our childhood, is chewing our food. These are called steps to good digestion. Chewing your food, eating slowly, eating when you're not under stress. These steps help the digestive process. When you chew your food well, you're preparing your food for the digestive process. You have enzymes in your mouth that help you to digest food. And this, again, another way to take stress off your digestive system 
and it'll help you in the long run to alleviate some of the gastro problems that you may have. You need to include macronutrients in all your meals when possible, and the macronutrients are your fats, your carbs, and your proteins. And in dealing with people, I, it, it's, it's, really, it's really beneficial to have them understand that we can get these things from so many different areas. Protein doesn't come from meat all the time. It can. But introducing protein from different sources, like grains such as buckwheat, uh, hemp, chia seeds, these are all great sources of protein. And they also have the other nutrients, carbohydrates and fats as well. There's a synergy in food. And although I do use supplements in practice, sometimes it's warranted, oftentimes it's warranted. The synergy in food is, is what your body is craving. So I often, I, I always recommend where possible to get our maximum nutrients from foods. And don't eat too much. We overeat in our society. We don't need to eat as much as we do. Um, there are several diets that introduce fasting and intermittent fasting, and that's, that's, that's a deep dive into different diets, and it's a different show. But we don't need to eat as much. We don't need to be constantly eating. Um, there are situations in a disease state where I might suggest small meals, but, but generally speaking, in a healthy individual, we don't need to be eating all the time. Fiber is um, not what we call the one of the three macronutrients, but to me it's it's a huge component and it's going to be one of the star nutrients as we move forward. Fiber is uh, in its old in its old adage, it helps with elimination. But as we become more and more um, attuned and have a greater understanding of what's called the microbiome in our digestive system, the, the importance of fiber is rising to the top. Our gastrointestinal tract is the house of our immune system. Um, we have what is being called as another organ, a microbiome. And these are parasites, fungus, bacteria that when in good balance, are crucial for our health. And we need fermented foods and we need fiber to help these stay in balance. Fermented foods will be the last thing I talk about on uh, on the topic of nutrition. It's something that many people don't know about. Uh, going back in the day when people harvested their foods and they had an abundance of crop, um, they were they were buried below ground and they were fermented, and that's how it, fermenting was a, a measure of um, preservation. But fermenting food makes it extremely bioavailable to our system. It helps us to digest the food that is fermented, and it helps us to digest the foods that we are eating along with it. So envision a sausage with fermented sauerkraut. So fermented foods are key. Um, I introduce them very slowly into diet because they do help you to detox, but another very, very important aspect of the microbiome and what keeps us healthy. The microbiome is a subject matter that we will come to discuss um, in many shows. It is the basis of basically what I do because I do believe that, that staying healthy within your gut with good nutrition is, is key to health. So moving along from nutrition, Sort of a subheading, but I consider it a pillar of its own, is consuming good quality water and in proper amounts. 
Um, it's estimated we are between 60 and 80 percent water. Um, depending on what end of the scope you're, you're looking at, it still means that we are mostly water. And we need water for proper digestion. We need water for nutrient absorption. We need water for elimination and chemical reactions that go on within our body every minute of the day. And water helps us to regulate um, our body temperature. Now, when it comes to amounts of water and how much we need to intake, that is dependent on a number of things. The general rule of thumb is between six and eight ounces or six or eight, six to eight ounces, six to eight glasses, I'm sorry, of water a day. Um, and that will depend on your weight. That will depend on your activity level. If you've had a, a strenuous workout, you need to up that. Also, if you're having caffeine, you need to balance it out. Um, and it will depend on your outdoor temperature as well. If you're in a very humid climate, you generally need to have uh, more water uh, intake. So getting to the good part of consuming good water, um, it's a ladder. So tap water is is something that I, I, I truly recommend people stay away from. It really is quite a enlightening thing when you get your tap water tested. Uh, tap water will contain unwanted chemicals such as fluoride and chlorine. But the other um, component of bad tap water is the amount of medications, uh, prescriptions that are dumped into our water system, things that aren't used up. And it really does contaminate our water, and it's it's such a life force that we really need to stay attuned to what we're drinking. So purifying water is is what I do highly recommend, and this can be um, something as simple as a, a Brita water filter uh, right down to reverse osmosis uh, whole systems in your house, which can be costly. But... Any degree of filtering is is great. I personally have um, a reverse osmosis system in my house. And what reverse osmosis does is it takes out everything uh, from the water and then I remineralize it with another component of the system. But um, a standard reverse osmosis system is fine and you can remineralize that water on your own by adding lemon or sea salt. People often ask me and have told me that they have uh, distilled water in their house. Um, I just want to let you know about distilled water. It is, it, I think it's, it's, it's not very well understood. Distilled water, um, distillation is a process in which water is boiled, evaporated, and then uh, the vapor is condensed. It is free from all dissolved minerals, and because of this, it has a unique property of being able to absorb toxic substances, not only from the body, but from air as well. So it's unstable, so to speak, and and way the way it's trying to become stable is to grab toxins. Um, great water to have when you are trying to uh, detox. You can use it for a week or so, but uh, beyond that, it can be detrimental to your health. It's an active absorber. And when it comes in contact with air, it will absorb carbon dioxide and make it, make it very acidic uh, to your body. We want our body, uh, our body is, is um, we, our blood, let's not so much our body, but our blood is within a very small range of pH balance. Um, but we want our water to be um, 
on the higher end of pH. So the pH goes between 0 and 14. 7, to 7 is in the middle, obviously. We want our water to be more alkaline than it is acidic. Um, it's interesting to note that a lot of beverages that people consume, uh, soda, soda pops and so forth, are made um, with distilled water. And studies have consistently shown that uh, people who heavily consume soft drinks uh, with or without sugar spill a huge amount of calcium, magnesium and other trace minerals into their urine. This goes directly to bone health, everybody. We need to be um, very careful about drinking these these products. Uh, we need to have calcium. We need to have magnesium in our water. And distilled water tends, tends to be, uh, well, it is. It's lacking in, in all of those minerals. So do pay heed to the water that you're drinking. Um, the best water comes from uh, tested springs. Um, I myself haven't gone to a spring. They are not local to me, but I know my in-laws used to go every week to a spring. And you can find spring water uh, locations uh, at the website findaspring.com. Very worthwhile if you are in the area to go and get your water from there. It's, it's ground sourced, obviously has everything you need in it for good, healthy water. And finally, when um, on the topic of water, uh, drinking water in in glass container, drinking water from glass containers or stainless steel bottles are are ideal. You want to be able to wash out um, your bottles, reuse them again. Drinking water from plastic bottles is not only bad for our environment; it's also bad for you. The plastic bottles can leak uh, BPA, bisphenol A, into your water, and this is something that we don't want. Um, environmental medicine is coming in into the foray now, and that's because we have so many environmental toxins. So eliminating eliminating them wherever possible uh, is great, and plastic bottles of water are, are huge, are huge in, in the market now, and we need to rethink that. Uh, if it's something that is a convenience to you, please do not leave them in your car in warm weather. Um that just makes it magnifies the the BPA going into your water. So when we come back, we will be dealing with the other three topics, uh, the three pillars of health. And right now we're going to take a short break.
You are listening to The Health Hub, here on Radio Maria Canada. A Catholic voice wherever you are. To contact us and be a part of the show, email healthhub at radiomaria.ca. We now continue with the program. Here once again is your host, Kathy Biasi. Hi, everybody, and welcome back. Alex and I were talking at the break, and he brought up uh, a, the subject of vitamin water. It's very popular. Um, it's an alternative to sports drinks. What I, I, I want to have you start to become accustomed to is reading your labels. Vitamin water, if you read the label, tends to have a high amount of sugar in it. And processed sugar is something that we really want to be staying away from. So if this is something that you need for a sports drink, just start reading your labels a bit more. Be very in tuned with what is being put into anything that's packaged or processed. Something that comes to mind right away is um, yogurt, uh, the fruit-filled yogurts. Some of those yogurts in that tiny cup will contain about 17 grams of sugar, and that's extremely high. Uh, it's extremely high sugar content. So be well aware of that. Um, what I could have said at the end of the last segment when we were talking about water is if you get tired of the taste of drinking water all the time, there are many ways you can flavor it by adding your own fruit, leaving it sit for a while in the fridge. So any, any different types of, of fruits, you can, you can even squish them a bit to release some of their juices. Cucumber water is, is great. So there are ways that you can make your water a bit more interesting if, if you are getting tired of it. So we're going to um, continue on with uh, our third pillar of health, and that is sleep. Sleep is a tenacious issue. Everyone is so busy. Everybody has a life that is being lived outside the boundaries of nine to five. Um, but it is, again, a crucial part of, of a healthy lifestyle. Generally, the recommendations are six to eight, six to eight hours of good quality sleep. But often we don't, we don't get that. But trying to establish good patterns, uh, before bedtime will be key to getting you into a good quality deep sleep. And as we get older, we will be finding that if we don't get the amount of sleep that we require, we won't be able to function. So do try and make a point of getting to that point where you're at six to eight hours of good quality sleep. During sleep time, that's when our body does its healing and repairing. And hearkening back to another issue that Alex and I were talking about was timing of eating and so forth. When we are digesting, that is a process that takes a lot of energy from our body so when we're sleeping, that is the time that our body takes to repair. It's not digesting. It's not doing anything else but healing and repairing. So I, I recommend you not eat uh, about two to three hours before you go to bed. You don't want to be digesting when you go to sleep. The reason that you lie prone in your bed is that this is the most advantageous place for your body to be at rest, to get all the toxins in and out, to start repairing from the day's the day's work and it's, it's, it's essential. It's essential part of our day. And if you don't allow your body that due time, um, to, to do what it needs to do to get you ready for the next day, you are going to find that you're sluggish. 
So adequate sleep is not only for detoxing, it's also very important for our mental and physical well-being. I'm sure all of you know, are quite well aware of the fact that if you don't get a good night's sleep, you're not on point the next day. So doing this time and time again will just take away from your mental acuity. And proper sleep uh, aids for weight loss. So a lot of people don't realize that. But again, if we're not allowing our body to rest, we are in a mode of stress. And when you're in that stress mode, you can't lose weight as easily as if you are more relaxed. So what I wanted to do was give you a few tips around bedtime to help you get into routine to signal your body that it is in fact time to go to bed. When um, we approach our bedtime, uh, the ideal reaction in our body is to release melatonin, and this is what helps us to calm down and relax. So developing a good bedtime routine actually does signal your body to prepare for rest. So when you're going to bed, try and get to that uh, bedtime at the same time every night. So I could say that probably in a bit better English. Go to bed at the same time each night. Turn down the lights ahead of time. Get into your routine. Brush your teeth. Have your tea. Get into your jammies and really tell your body that rest is coming. Doing the same thing each night really does have a good effect on getting you into that point where your body starts relaxing and preparing for a good sleep. Shut down your computers, your iPhones, your TV, your radio, anything electronic, at least a half an hour before you start your preparations for bed. These um, technical devices set your brain on fire. They, they, you're always shooting off signals when you're looking at your computer. Your brain is constantly on the go. So fire is maybe not the best acronym, but it's always working. It's lit up. So turning off your computer and all other electronic devices gives your brain time to relax. So you're not getting into bed with a million thoughts going through your head. Sleep in a nice dark room. Uh, this is, this is again, uh, attuned to the melatonin. Melatonin is released in darkness. So your body will react to any light, not just light from the moon, but any light that it sees will confuse your body. So sleep in a very dark room. If you can't do that, use a sleep mask. Uh, I have no blinds on my windows right now. We have been under construction for, oh, two years. So I have had to use a sleep mask, and it's, it's wonderful. Find one that's comfortable for you, but do sleep in darkness. Also, sleep in a very cool room. This is ideal for your body to do what it needs to do. Your, bo- your room temperature... Ideally, around 68 degrees. Uh, above that, in the 70s, you're, you're probably going to be a little bit too, too warm. If you go to bed and you are wide awake and your mind is racing, there's a wonderful breathing technique that I have learned from Dr. Wheel. And it's very, very simple and it works like a charm. So when you're in bed, if your mind is racing, I want you to breathe in deeply for four seconds, hold it for seven seconds, and then release it slowly for eight seconds. 
And do this over and over again until you're calmed down. It does have a physiological effect. It slows everything down. It slows your system down. And it puts you into a much more relaxed state. Other little tips for getting a good night's sleep are the use of essential oils. Um, I love lavender. You can put essential oils on a little cloth and have them by your bed. You can use nebulizer or you could put them in an oil blend and put them right onto your skin. Um, to that end, you never put essential oils directly on your skin. You always need a carrier oil, so something like a coconut oil or an olive oil. Putting it on the bottom of your feet really is calming and relaxing. And like I said, I my favorite is lavender. I use it every single night in my uh, my nebulizer, and I just find it wonderful. Getting a comfortable bed, of course, good linen, all very important for a good night's sleep. Our fourth pillar is exercise. Again, exercise is something that um, we have toned down a lot in our lives. We do an awful lot of sitting, and we need to incorporate exercise into our health pillar. This along with nutrition, exercise along with nutrition could be the two hardest things to change in your life. But um, once we go through the benefits of exercise, I'm sure you'll realize why it is so very important. Exercise reduces the risk of heart disease. It reduces the risk of cancer, uh, high blood pressure, diabetes, and many, many other diseases. Basically, what exercise is doing is is helping you to lose weight, but it is also helping to relieve stress. It's also helping things to circulate within your body. Uh, it improves your mental health. It increases the um, the benefits of your immune system. What I mean there is your immune system is is much more attuned if you're exercising regularly. We sit far too long and. Um, it's all over the internet now that sitting is like the new smoking. When we sit too long, we are really taking away a good piece of of our our health for the day. We need to be up and moving around to get things circulated, basically, to move things around, to jiggle things, to get the the blood flowing. Um, a lot of companies now are, are offering their my husband's company for one is offering their employees stand up desks if they want. Uh, you can make them at home yourself. I use a um, a blue bin that I stick my computer on sometimes just when I know that I've been sitting far too long. But it's important that you do move. Moving is extremely important. Working out an hour a day and then sitting for 12 just doesn't cut it. So it is strenuous exercise that you want. You want to challenge your body, but you also want to keep your body moving. To try and incorporate exercise into your into your daily life, um, it is important that you do something that you enjoy. There's no point trying to train to run a marathon if you hate running. There are several other options out there that um, you can partake in. If you're a team player, you can you can um, get involved in team sports um, or individual sports. I, I prefer the individual myself, but uh, there's yoga, there's walking. You can run the team sports. Very, very um, the broad and wide range of things that you can do. Just keep yourself moving and do something that you enjoy and change it up. Get a Fitbit. 
Fitbits are great. They really help you uh, see where you are as far as walking. And there are a ton of other great apps as well that will help you stay attuned to your fitness levels, see where you're at, introduce you to new things. So do explore them. Our last pillar of health, number five, is stress management. Stress perhaps is the key to the root cause perhaps of most chronic illnesses. There's never an absolute, but in my practice, I see so many people who have gone through stressors in life and I can't say it's a straight line from stress to disease, but there's definitely an underlying, an underlying reason that um, an underlying area that stress has contributed to disease, I should say. And our body doesn't know differences in stress. And what I mean by that is our, our natural stress response is, is to run from a bear. We see a bear, our body's stressed. Um, there's a cascade of hormones that are, that are, um, released and we either run or we stay there and get eaten by the bear. But if we get a bad mark on a test, if we have a fight with our boss, our body is still responding the same way to that stress. We get a cascade of hormones. Our heart rate increases. Our breathing increases. We can't digest when we're under stress. Our liver releases glucose for energy. There are so many physiological things that happen when we're under stress that if we don't learn how to manage it, it will lead to chronic stress, which will lead to inflammation, and inflammation will lead to disease. It's very hard during um, our daily and our weekly routines not to be stressed. Uh, traffic, getting dinner on the table, getting kids to events, it's all stress. And we need to understand and learn how important it is to manage stress in our life. Perhaps the most telling thing about stress is that it depresses the function of our immune system. Prolonged stress leaves us open to disease. So we have to develop stress management techniques. And it's a very personal thing, what you do to alleviate your stress. I had a man came in and he, um, I asked what he liked to do to relieve his own stress and he said he liked to shoot guns. So he went and shot some guns. Um, meditating though is a wonderful, a wonderful practice. And you don't have to be a Zen Buddhist meditator. Meditating can be as simple as you want to make it. There are apps. I love the app Headspace. It's a great app for starting off meditating. Deep breathing is another great way to meditate and exercise. So these last two, they go hand in hand. Exercising, doing something you like is um, a great way to divert stress. And just, just relaxing, you know, letting go of the day, not dwelling on things. All very, very important. So those are the five pillars of health. Nutrition, hydration, sleep, exercise, and stress management. And those five pillars of health set the groundwork for all the shows that will follow here on the Health Hub. But before we wrap it up, I wanted to pass along to you a little tip. And this is a tip when cooking with garlic. Garlic is a superfood. It tastes great, but it also has so many functions within our body. Among one of its many virtues is that it is a very potent antioxidant and it's a great supporter for our liver. But many home chefs mistakenly cook garlic immediately after they crush it. 
For garlic to maximize its health benefits, you should crush or chop your garlic that has been sitting at room temperature and allow it to sit for about 15 minutes before you cook it. What this does is it allows the enzyme morosinase to react with the garlic and this helps to boost all of the health components in it. So just a reminder that, as I said at the beginning, these first few shows at Radio Maria, the Health Hub, are going to be pre-recorded. But please email us at thehealthhub at radiomaria.ca if you have any questions about today's show, if you have any comments, we'd love to hear them. And when we go live, we will be having really interesting guests on the show. Um, we're hoping to bring in a, a guest or two uh, to record as well. But going forward, we're going to have some very interesting guests that will really cover so many gamuts of health. And we really think that you will find them all very interesting. So it has been my pleasure to be with you here today, and I look forward to being with you here again next week at the Health Hub on Radio Maria. Have a wonderful week. have been listening to The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi, here on Radio Maria Canada.